Hey, buddy. We, by golly, we got it. So, are you sad we're not doing facing like each other now? Like, you just had that experience of some WhatsApp FaceTime with me, and now it's gone. Now it is gone. Now I do feel like shit. Emotionally, but... are, are you going to make it through? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'll make it I'm through. devastated. I'm devastated. I'm kind of pissed. That's something I got to figure out, though, for sure. Like how to yeah, it'd be um, a great feature on here. It you know what's funny is before this Spotify bought this app out, and okay, before they bought it out, it had a, a video option. Like it said, like just audio, or it said video call, kind of like WhatsApp, you know, or like FaceTiming. So okay. it had the option. It's like Spotify bought it out, and they kind of redid a few things, and now it's not in there. Weird. Yeah, man, I know, but I don't like it one bit. Maybe that just means rain check. We'll have to, I'll have to figure that out and get you back. Yeah, podcast too, live Facetime, live with the one and only Jake Cox. Mm-hmm. Knox Box. So what's up, man? Mm-hmm. How's how's Nam? It's great. Yeah, love it here. Not in a hurry to leave. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's been wonderful for myself, my family, and my wife. Um, we love the people, love the culture, and it's just a great place to be. And we think for right now, again, I have a four-year-old and I have a one-and-a-half-year-old. It's a great place to raise kids, uh, at least for us, right now. It looks beautiful, so, man. Like, the pictures you send me look – you got a lot of happy people over there? Yeah. Everyone yeah. in general happy? Yeah, in general. I mean, at least that's what I see, right? Like, because, you know, you kind of, like – you're you're at where you're at and you tend to surround yourself with a certain person anyways right like no matter wherever you're at in the world and i'm generally a happy person so it's kind of what i attract and what's around me um but like when you talk about the photos like we've been to halong bay sapa way denang uh hoi an hanoi mekong fukok you know and we have some other adventures outside like bali uh, Phuket, Thailand, as well as like Angkor Wat, Cambodia, and um, in, Sin, in Siem Reap. And we have some more coming up. And that's what's been wonderful about being on this side of the world is the ability to explore over here, which is just gorgeous, right? Oh, yeah. You said you said Phuket? That's the right yeah. way to say it? Mm-hmm. I, I was, don't know. I always thought it was fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> That could be mis- there's, there's a few <laughs> like that here. There's a few where you're like, ah, I can't pronounce that in English. I'm kind of even more heartbroken now that I thought there's a place called Fuck It in, in the planet. Now it's called Phuket. Who knows? There still might be a place called that. You never know. <laughs> but you know Phuket. You know what's funny, dude? Like, uh, there's one time I was at a bar around here, and this guy was hammered. And he was the type of guy that, like, by the end of the night, he's trying to start shit with people. And he was sitting next to me at the bar, and he kept looking over at me. And he's like, you know where I'm from? And I'm like, no, not at all, bro. And he's like, I'm from Hell's Kitchen. And then he'd go on with his, like, spiel about how hard, how much of a hard ass he is. Hell's and Kitchen. I didn't know Hell's Kitchen was a real place. So I just kept saying, like, I just thought he was trying to sound tough. You know what I mean? 
Like, yeah. I'm from Hell's Kitchen, like home brewed. You know, like, I thought that was part of his like WWE trying to start a fight spiel or something. And turns out there's really a fucking Hell's Kitchen. I don't Dude, remember was... if it's Pennsylvania or New York, but there's really a Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, he was trying to cut a promo on you. I mean, it's <laughs> not, I mean, Hell's Kitchen sounds better than like, you know, no knock on it, but Hershey's Pennsylvania. You're just kind of <laughs> like, oh, the land of chocolate and happiness. You know, you, you don't sound so tough if you're at a bar at two in the morning and you're like, you know where I'm from? I'm from Hershey, PA, brother. Born and bred. You know, like, you know, it's like Hulk Hogan couldn't even make that sound tough, right? The south side of Hershey, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Where we just have Twix and we don't have Eminem, son. I'm from left Twix, baby. That's right. Let them know what's up. Crunchy side. Crunchy side. Yeah, man. Did you end up getting your shorts or getting shorts ordered? Mm, uh, no. Because, <laughs> so, like, the size you had, because, like, Amazon thinks I'm a 34 in them. And I'm like, what, is this my waist size or is it not? And, and so, because that's the tough part. Like, we forward things from, and it, we do very few things, but it, it's weird. Like, so even, like, headgear, if you wanted, I mean, it's not sold here. Because there is no wrestling, but it's made here. It goes on a ship over there, and you order it, and then you we forward it through a lady in Oregon, and it gets over here to us eventually. But there's a cost to that, uh, the shipping, and then there's a cost like, what if I don't like it and it doesn't work for me? So that's why the sizing is kind of annoying. So, um, do, you, do you have to pay extra for that like middleman? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, thirteen dollars a kilo. So it's not cheap at all. So it's not like you're going to ship like a weight set over here. I've, I've done that with shoes before because, um, and for the people listening and for you, you already know, but the shoes that I buy and sometimes I flip them, yeah. sometimes there's a drop and it's like only in Europe or like a drop mm-hmm. that's only in like, you know, China or Japan. And there's been a few times where I, I've had to set up a service that you mail, if, if you hit on the shoes you have to pay someone like, you know, sometimes like 40 bucks and it will mail it to that service. And then that service then mails it to you. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. end up with a really more exclusive shoe. That's worth a lot more in, in the U S mm-hmm. because they didn't drop over here. But at the same time, like there's a little bit of risk and you don't usually know who's like intercepting in the middle either. But yeah, I, I would agree with that a hundred percent. And it's, well, and then thing is you're going to flip those shoes, but, for me, like, so say you tried on something size-wise and it doesn't fit, it's like, okay, uh, well, I can't return this, so uh, a little different, right? You got to trade it for back rubs in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, shit, there's a few people around here my size, though, man. You're not the kind of guy who takes many losses, so <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of borrowing oh. skills mm-hmm. well um I, damn i appreciate you hopping on dude and i appreciate you being patient my old cleaner buddy had me running behind he just had such a cute face i couldn't say no to him yeah it seems he trimmed up his beard since he got a black belt a smart man yeah we'll see how long that lasts you know that like that he's in the honeymoon phase of his black belt i think ah uh. I mean, I don't know anything about that coach, but yeah, I assume <laughs> it's real. 
that's what I'm calling it. It's got to be like that. He's still got to have that like new euphoria chilling, you know? I mean, you got to think that's only going to last for the rest of his life. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He made it, dude. He made it. Um, that's well, awesome, though. Enough about me, man. Let's talk about you. Um, Ex-football coach. Um, someone who's really made a difference in my life. And I'm glad you hey, stick around. You. Continually, continually help me. All I had to do was show you a couple bourbons, and you uh, right. We were buddies. I guess yeah. you decided it was worth it. <laughs> it, it it's like, uh, well, you hit. I mean, you know, I only actually like. A, I, I say this with my wife. There's only actually a few topics I I care to engage with people on, and usually they're like bourbon, human performance training, whether that's like blood work or speed agility or anything like that, or cosmetic development. And then there's money, love money, uh, trucks, and world travel. You know, so there's like a few topics that I actually care to engage in, you know, cigars and heck, you had bourbon. So you had really good bourbon taste. So that's a great start. And I do enjoy jujitsu. So I still got a huge ass collection sitting here too for when you come back. So I, I haven't really been drinking. Let's go. Yeah, dude. So get your ass back over here. <laughs> yeah, most. I find that a lot of guys get to a point they have a good collection and then is it's really for occasions or you know the occasional like Friday night nightcap kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know, man, and, and this is partially due to your fault, but like um and partially my fault and partially the smart smart thing to do, but I I'm finally like on a routine for like once in my life. That is one good thing about having this like corporate job thing. Yeah. And being on a routine, it's just like hard for me to drink anymore. And wake up and Good. think it was worth it, you know? And, yeah, it's not. And now I'm like, I haven't drank in so long that, like, I'd have to build a tolerance again. And mm -hmm. I just don't feel like going through that pain and that, like, just going through that right now just to be able to drink. You got to look at it even better. I mean, the best part is you don't have a tolerance. So it's like one or two nice drinks of higher-end bourbon, and it's been a great night. You know, you don't need to have six. Yeah. So the way I look at it is like, one, you just started saving more money because you're not drinking as frequently. Two, you're saving more money in the future. And three, you're drinking better quality stuff. So it's less, uh, in my opinion, traumatic on your system as opposed to drinking like. So one thing that's over here plentiful is like Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. But it's because the world thinks that's like our Pepsi and Coke in America. Okay, and it's not totally like that. anybody I know never actually drinks Jim or Jack. It's like, that's like some, you know, uh, college age Jack and Coke stuff. Like, I don't know. That well shit. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's just your gut just rots thinking about it, oh, you dude, know, dude. but if, but if you're like, Hey, pour me a glass of Blanton's, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to feel great tomorrow. You know, I have no aller allergic reaction to it. It's, it's a win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like your gut's not rotting from the inside. You're you're mm -hmm. processing it, and you're still happy the next day. That's for damn sure. Well, tell me about like your routines and stuff. So that seems to have been an impact for you. Like, what are you what are you taking away from that? What are you exploring? Yeah, and learning. So, um, yeah, to talk about that. Um, so I've got like a morning routine. Now. I've never been a morning person at all. I was always the guy that, like, if I got up at 10, it's because I made myself. Um, and partially because I'm a night owl and partially because I have sleeping problems. But um, 
my morning routine now that I'm more on a routine, it's like I'm more apt to wake up. One of the first things I do is drink water. The sun's not quite up yet, so like I I make sure to drink at least a bottle of water. Lately, what I've been time having, are you up. Uh, right now I'm up around like six. Okay. And right. yeah, and you, I've been like adding like a little bit of salt to my water in the morning, just for like a little bit mm-hmm. extra sodium. And I got on the cold shower kick for a little bit, and I got rid of it. <laughs> Because, to mm-hmm. be honest, I ran it for, like, two months. And I didn't really feel much of a kick. And a few people have told me that it, it our water doesn't get cold enough here to really do too much. Mm. That makes sense. So, I like I like kind of a warm shower because I feel like, I'm, I, like I wake up tight. So, I feel like that kind of loosens me up and makes me feel, like, moving a little bit more. Yeah. 100%. I mean, the other thing is, like, I've been meal prepping. So, like, it saves me time. Like, you know, I'll make baked oatmeal. So, my morning, like, so basically. So smart. Compared to my old life, where I was always going by the whim and flying through Starbucks or, or uh, flying through, you know, fast food in the morning for my food, like, now I'm making, like, you know, six, five days worth of, you know, breakfast, usually on Sundays, mm-hmm. and then usually I make, like, five days worth of lunch, so I don't have to worry about leaving the office or getting lunch, or I can go yeah. train on my lunch break, and when I get back to the office, I have food there already, yeah. so instead of spending the time and money to go get food on my break i have time to train now which that's been great and then after but in between the time that i'm off in the office and i go clean the boats at night i'm usually lifting a little bit trying to do some posture workouts and a little bit of strength training mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to get a little bit of jits and a little bit of uh lifting in and a cleaner eating routine uh i've kicked a lot of coffee out of my system because i like to stay hydrated and that I fall behind in dehydration really quickly. It and, seems like. And how how is after two months of that? How is that working for you compared to you ten months ago? Like, what do you feel? What do you think mentally, physically, financially? Like, what's going on for you? Like, how is it working for you so far? Mentally, it's tough because I really am having a hard time with like the the uh, sitting in a dark corner in an office. Um, no, but- more the routine. More the, more the actual like other things you've done, the meal prep, the waking up early, like, you know, the, the shower, then doing some strength training, making sure jiu-jitsu gets done, things like that. And then working the extra hack, you know, like I'm, I'm you know, starting financial to feel, hack. I'm starting to feel like a lot more energy in my day. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm starting to be able to like get through like my whole day with all that I've said, like all the activity I've said, work, um, working out, training you know, the second job coming home and like, you know, getting home and getting everything ready for the next day. I, I'm like, I used to get really tired midday. And like, so I, I think my energy level has started, has started to uh, show a lot of benefits. And I think yeah. as far as eating, eating cleaner, I felt I've been feeling a lot better. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> that's kind of where my interest has been lately is, is, Figuring out, like, how much carbs do I want to eat? How much protein do I want to eat? What foods make me feel good? And what foods, like, do I need to add to kind of have, yeah. like, a complete diet? So, overall, I think everything has been better. Um, financially, yeah. fi- financially is nice, too, because with doing all yeah. the habits, they kind of feed each other. I don't know if that's considered habit stacking, but, like, yeah. like not paying not, Starbucks so much. Yeah, since since I'm not, like, going to Starbucks every morning, I'm not spending seven dollars on breakfast and then fourteen dollars on lunch like 
I've already got it prepped and made for probably like four dollars to two dollars a meal. Yeah. So like financially definitely better. Um and physically I feel better. And yeah, like I think overall like the routine is great. That's one thing that uh that's one that's one good benefit of this lifestyle, that's for sure. What uh but how's that work? So you work Monday through Friday, correct? Yeah. Okay, so how does that go for you? Like, do you follow it? Do you wake up at 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday, Sunday? Like, or are you, like, no, over I, the I, course of four weeks in a month, how does that go for you there? Like, those eight days, you know? At this point in time, uh, Saturday and Sunday, I'm usually so beat that I do sleep yeah. a little bit extra. Do you so go to bed earlier or no. same time? Do you go to bed same time? Around the same time. Okay. It's 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 not like during my normal routine, like during the week, I usually have like a set time in my head, like about eleven o'clock I wanna be in bed. You know, I wanna yeah. be passed out by eleven thirty. Um mm-hmm. but on the weekends I'm more laid back. Like I, I do kind of break my habit and actually it was funny because on the way home I was thinking about that today, how on the weekends my diet and my habit kinda goes to shit. <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah, I, to answer your question, like I'm getting I, I let myself sleep a little bit extra because in my head I'm telling myself it's a little bit extra recovery from right. training and lifting if, all if week. If you go to bed at the same time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Right. Yeah. That's true. What one way I would just look is like, okay, so let's say you get three months of this adult routine. We'll just label it that way. And you get there and you're like, wow, I have less sleep issues. Then one thing I would just say, like a low hanging fruit to compound this even more is okay, the first weekend of every month. I stay on my adult routine. So I go to bed at 11. I wake up at 6 or 6.30. There's my extra sleep on a Saturday, Sunday. So what you're doing is because it's eight, eight nights or eight days that are like your friction to achieving like a consistent repetitive gain. So essentially, if your first weekend, if you had five days and then you went your two days and then you had a whole nother five days before you kind of stayed up later and slept in and maybe ate a little crappier if at least one Saturday and Sunday you just went through it, I mean, think about, think about five, two, five, you're at 12 days in a row instead of five days in a row. So that's, that magnetizes that compounds off of that feeds off of what you've been doing. And then your habits get a little easier. So like a low hanging fruit would just be like, Hey, first weekend of every month, I just wake up and go to bed at the same time. Like I know people want to go to Chili's or IHOP or whatever. And, I know some people want to have like this, whatever. And that's cool. Like if there's an anniversary or like a birthday party, cool. You go do that and you just move it to the next weekend. But maybe just there's your low hanging fruit is just get one weekend a month right now for a few months where you just, no, I'm just going to treat it like it's Tuesday or Thursday. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then, so you're getting like, let's see, five cents. So you're getting more than double the production essentially and, and you're building the habit a lot easier yeah because when when people say they have like sleep issues and stuff don't get me wrong there's there's actual real cases for that but most likely they don't have like pre-bed and post-bed routines and they don't have good sleep hygiene and they they're wishy-washy about their actual schedule like they they don't have a go-to-bed alarm set they go to bed when they feel it and guess what most people's feelings suck so maybe just get a little more disciplined with 
when I go to bed, you know, I have some warm tea. I take a warm shower. When I wake up, I do, you know, some child's pose breathing and I just walk outside in sunlight. I bounce a ball, whatever the hell your routine is or what everybody's got different stuff, but find what works, find like low friction, low hanging fruit things, and then just start whittling it away. So cool. I got a Monday. Great. Get a Monday, Tuesday. Cool. Get a Monday, Tuesday. So now you get this five days a week of the adult work week done. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm still kind of acting like I'm 22 here on Saturday, Sunday. Nothing wrong with that because family had a a cookout, you know, and then we're all going to watch the Sunday night football game and stay up late. Well, it's like, okay, well, is that working for me every Sunday from September through December to watch every Sunday night football game? Well, how about one Sunday out of each month? I actually just do my normal Tuesday, Wednesday routine and I'm better off for it. You know, as far as your sleep and uh, pre post sleep routines. That's great. Yeah. I, this is why I like you, dude, because you, you're like so methodical about everything. And I appreciate it. Yeah. I, so um, to dig into your background a little bit, because I remember you, you talked about it a long time ago in the gym. So you, you, know. you were coaching for Baylor, right? Yeah, going in reverse order, I've coached at Baylor, Villanova, Temple, Colorado, Akron, Stephen F. Austin State University, and I've had some internships along the way. So I strung together about 13, 14 years of coaching strength and conditioning for collegiate football and a variety of other sports like volleyball, tennis, cross country, track and field, basketball. And and that was awesome. So that's kind of my background in um you know, I played at the University of Kansas. Yeah. You know, strength and conditioning, nutrition, director of sports nutrition at Colorado, uh, you know, and head strength coach, been an assistant strength coach and associate director of strength and conditioning. So plenty of internship hours and um, so kind of like each spot along that ladder there at a did, variety of different levels. Did you have these kind of habits before you started coaching? Mm. Well, the occupation kind of demands them, right? A little bit. So like sometimes you're just in a place where you have to wake up at 4 a.m. and you have to train 4.30 to 5.45 because you have groups from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? Or or you've got groups from 6 a.m. to noon, but then when you think you're going to lift on your lunch hour, you're not because all of a sudden there's a diversity and inclusion meeting for HR or the football coach needs to go over everybody's GPA and for some reason you're expected to be a contributing member to Billy's GPA and ethics or physics. Um, so there's a lot of meetings that pop up or things you have to do, order equipment, hire interns, train your interns, you know, clean your equipment. There's a lot of extra that goes along with it. So in some situations, you're better off just getting in your own self care. So your strength, your conditioning, your mobility, um, just getting it done. And so, well, if you're starting work at 6 a.m., that means getting it done is 4.30 to 5.45 in the morning. Um, so, you know, because I imagine it, you the, have to set an example, right? Like you have to be like, you can't nobody be coaching wants, these large human beings, but be slacking yourself. Well, and it's like perception is reality. And so people forget this all the time. Like people are going to profile you. And you can have like some weird moral stance of, oh, that's not right. But in reality, it happens. So you're going to judge people on the first five seconds you see them. 
And then you might communicate with them. And if they have good communication skills, that might extend into getting to actually know them. And so in those three layers, you know, if I'm going to somebody for uh, jujitsu training, it's not going to be a one stripe white belt who's fat, out of shape and looks awful, right? That I can run through in one second. So it's the same. It applies to strength conditioning. I don't want to go learn squatting from somebody that's never squatted double their body weight. You know, that, that would be a poor understanding of, of what it takes to actually get good at this skill. And so, yeah, you, you know, it matters. So be an example. So same thing. I, I think for the whole time I did it, I always prepped my food. Like, why am I going to harass you about eating, you know, fast food or, you know, you're there getting your frappe, whatever. And then you're tacking on some weird sugary cupcake thing at Starbucks. And it's, it's like, well, am I going to do that? You know, like, no, that's, it's being a hypocrite. So do you think that kind of motivates you? Like does the motivation of not being a hypocrite kind of help fuel you to be like, uh, Mm. you know, like a man, not only a man of your word, but like fuel you to like keep your composure and keep your, your direction and your demeanor. I think initially it was more of like just being aware of it. Right. So like, let's say, you know, you're 25, 22. And again, these are all things I wish I'd have done sooner. And it's not to say I'm perfect at any of these things and I can always do better, which I'm always trying to reduce friction and increase better results on all these things. Right. So we're all a work in progress. We're all green and growing. We're not red and rotting. And so what I would say is I'm initially, it was like just being aware of these things. It wasn't like it was a motivator. I've always been intrinsically motivated. Right. Like I've always kind of known and had ambition for what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. We only get one go around in life. It might as well be on your terms. And so I think, though, what happened is over days, weeks, months, years, it's all compounding to make you more and more of who you are. Like, you know, I'm going to get it wrong. But Aristotle, you know, excellence is not an act. It is a habit, you know, and essentially we're all slaves to our habits, you know, and. So when you make things more habitual over time and they just tended to be better, good things, uh, you know, I think we all have initially a a similar amount of discipline and perseverance. And I think when you just actually think analytical about it, it's like, well, how do I reduce the need to be disciplined on this subject? And what do you mean? Well, if if I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym okay, well, the gym's 35 minutes away. Okay, well, it's cold. You know, I live in North Dakota or it's cold. I live in Winnipeg, Canada and I've got to get in my truck. I've got to scrape off the ice from the windshield and I've got to heat up my truck and then I've got to drive 35 minutes to the gym. And then, you know, I've had to have packed my clothes, my towel or, you know, the gi or whatever I'm training in. Then I have to train. Then I have to do all that in reverse. And when am I showering? And so it's like, well, maybe you're better off getting a set of adjustable dumbbells and adjustable bench and cleaning out a closet that's connected to a spacious room and getting your workouts in at home. Maybe you're better off setting your workout clothes right next to your bed. And if you're really bad and lazy, wear them to bed so that you can reduce the friction of making a decision in the morning. Don't have decision fatigue then therefore you don't need discipline. So, so reduce your decisions. Like, so it's not a decision to work out in the morning, 
It's, it's not a decision, you know, at all of what to wear. Stop making those decisions that are just time consuming and reducing your actual willpower um, and discipline. You know, don't make the mistake of thinking you're just more disciplined or need to be more disciplined. Dude, that is such a real thing. The de- decision fatigue. And yeah. I, f- I feel like, um, I feel like <clears throat> that's like an unsaid truth, but it, it really is true. Like people will deter, like look at people nowadays with uh, social media or like marketing. Like you have mm-hmm. like, cause I, I studied a little bit into like how owning a website cause I've had websites and stuff where people purchase oh. and you have to make the process of just, you basically have to design your, your product, your brand, whatever it's a blog or a actual product or item. Mm-hmm. You have to design it almost so that people can impulsively buy it easily. Yeah, it's gamified. Look at yeah. Robinhood. Like, look at any of those apps. It's like, look at one-click Amazon. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, don't reduce friction. It was one click. There was only three clicks before that. You had because to ensure which credit card you were paying with. You had to ensure it was going to the right shipping address and you weren't sending it to your mom for her birthday. Like, you had to, and it was like literally three clicks before on Amazon. Now they go, one click. Yeah, and like really? Because that, but yeah, you're right. It's a part of that decision fatigue, like, uh, like you said. I haven't really heard that term, but I know I feel like I know exactly what it is. Because, like, you know, if if you add, like you said, the one step of like, like even like when you're on a website, uh, they have like these widgets you can add. So mm-hmm. when like you scroll down to look at the product, the add to cart button stays on your screen. What if the the product leaves your screen? You're looking at the description. You can still add it to your cart or do a one-click buy now checkout, mm-hmm. and it, it it's the the big wigs do that in marketing for a reason because they also understand that like you know like you said you wake up and you're like well it's kind of cold today well I got to prime the truck these are all like the deterrents these are all kind of like almost yeah. like yourself telling yourself um <laughs> similar to talking to people about tournaments in jujitsu like uh, I don't know if you listened to the one with Sal but Sal was talking about how much energy it took just to figure out like where to go, what mat to go on, what time he was going, watch the TV to figure out who he's going against and where he needed to be at what time. And then by the time you get to the mat, you've made so many decisions and paid attention to so much stuff that you're actually worn out before you actually get to what you're trying yeah. to, to do. So exactly. Reducing- That's why at a meet or a competition, having a coach or like in powerlifting or Olympic lifting, having a coach or a handler, Damn. To assist with certain things makes so much sense. I was just about That's to ask you how you would how you would think well, about like, how, you get yeah. a battle buddy, you know, in the military you call it a battle buddy, and it's kind of a funny little name, but it's somebody it's like an accountability partner and stuff like that. But it's you know somebody that's aligned somewhat on your goals and their goals, and you guys can feed off each other and hold each other accountable. Like it's culture, right? So like when there's a good culture in the gym, you're more likely to go to the gym more frequently. And I I used North Dakota and Winnipeg, Canada as examples in that little story there. But there's no wonder people are healthier in Boulder, Colorado, Tampa, Florida, Houston, Texas, or whatever, you know, general speaking, than compared to Minneapolis, Minnesota, or whatever. Like the weather, at least for those six months, like if we're rating June to June in America, it's probably a wash. But if we're rating January to January in, in Maine versus Arizona, I mean, the people in Arizona are going to be healthier in January because they're out. There's less friction to get out and sweat or walk. I mean, 
Yeah, that's why everyone comes down to Florida during, you know, the, yeah. the, the winter months. It's I know. just much easier to walk outside and start the car and, <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, nothing. You just walk. What am I going to do in Florida? I'll just walk on these awesome sidewalks or this awesome beach, right? It's good infrastructure for those things, too. What's it like coaching these large human beings? And, like, you, you've described to me before, like, you almost had, like, statistics down. Like, you knew every single year, like, this amount of kids is going to drop out. This many kids are going to get arrested. This many kids are actually going to mm. have talent. Like, what's it like, like, just dealing with that, you know, that environment? Yeah, I guess what I was saying there, too, was, like, so say each recruiting recruiting class, and this is before kind of, like, and I've been out of it three years now, so I haven't had the experience with all these transfers and with uh, NIL where they can now pay the players, basically, like, so they're transferring more and they're making more money and stuff like that. Where in the past it was kind of like routine, right? So like you might have two kids transfer in January, that's whatever. And then, but you might have a recruiting class every June come in and that recruiting class might be 25 to 32 kids. Right. Right. And so that's the same seniors go out, new kids come in, blah, blah, blah. And what you just know is okay. Out of 25, like there's going to be one or two walk-ons that were overlooked somewhere and they're late bloomers and they're going to outwork everybody and they're going to get scholarships within two years and they're going to be productive members. One of them's going to get a shot at the NFL. And he was like from nowhere, nothing middle of the world, Pennsylvania, you know, and then at the same token, there's, you know, say there's three, five or four star recruits that are coming on campus. Well, one of them's going to go to the NFL. Two of them are going to, you know, the one going to the NFL is going to do good. And so is one other one. Well, one's not going to pan out at all. And he's going to be, you know, and good, bad, or indifferent is never really going to play. Right. Like, or he's mm-hmm. going to, you know, it's just for certain reasons. And some are going to come to you as 18 year olds. They're already going to have kids. You know, some of them are going to come to you and you can just like project. It's like, wow, by age 40, where are you going to be in life? It's just a good question to think of when you think of all of them. And it's, it's interesting with all the different uh, backgrounds, socioeconomic, ethnic, whatever, and, and regional too, where they're from and then homes. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's not playing like a sociology game with it. It's just this understanding of like, hey, there is a specific breakdown that falls along this. And I would relate that to Pareto's principle of 80-20. So essentially 20% of all the doers produce 80% of all the production, right? Oh, and so do. you you tend to see 80% of the people in a society, or 20% of the people in a society hold on to over 80% of the wealth. And so even if you did redistribution of economic means, it, it wouldn't take long at all. So if everybody started off at equal money, every it's, you're still going to see the top 20% rise. And, and that always happens. That's it's never not happened. And to think differently is just ignorant and just bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you see that with athletics too, you know, and, and, and some of them, you know, they get girlfriends and they get hearts broken and blah, blah, blah. And some of them are going to be road scholars and some are going to flunk out and some are going to go into grad school and be doctors. Some of them are, you know, it, it's all different, man. It's, it's pretty cool to watch over like five plus years, see all that happen. So, okay. Now I'm wondering, now I'm thinking about it. Cause 
I mean, I've trained with you for with jujitsu. I've mm-hmm. lifted weights in your garage when uh, Tano was in town, mm-hmm. and that was. And for the people listening, that's uh, someone you coached in college, right? Yeah. Now, now plays for the Saints. Cool dude. Huge ass mm-hmm. human being. Um, I I wonder. So, did you have to different differentiate and deal with like emotional behavior, or were you kind of like no nonsense, like? Like I'm not, I'm not dealing with that shit. Get your shit together and come back. Like, how did you handle like the emotionally unstable or like you know the prima donna you know, ego? I, I think there's we when I was developing interns, I always coached that they needed to have um, three things. Number one was a great attitude. Number two was a great effort, uh, and number three was a coach's voice. And so, you so coach. Them. Like you kind of filtered before you got. Yeah. Yeah. So, and okay. in, in so like as a coach, as you're developing your coach, one thing I learned was it's important to be able to command the entire team, especially when there's thousands of people watching or the whole football staff or administrators watching or their parents watching. Can you run a whole warm up or training session with a hundred people? So do you have a 60 yard voice? Can your voice boom? Can it, can it pop? Can it captivate? And then the next is, do you have a six foot voice? So like, you know, and they're not far away, but you got a small group at a training rack or you're doing a speed drill or something like that. Can you connect with them that way? And then do you have a six inch voice? Meaning, can you connect? Like, does this person, can you get almost, you know, ear to ear with this person and connect? You know, can you get close to them? And and both those, all three of those are different voices. They're different tones. And then what I think is you bring in due to your facial expression and the tone in your voice, you kind of bring in this seriousness and lightheartedness. And I think you have to be a master of kind of like understanding how to captivate that individual and just simply go with this. Where is this individual? What do I know about this individual? And what's my path of least resistance to getting a hold of this individual's attention and buying into what I'm selling? And and so like we all have bad days there's nothing wrong with a bad day. There is something wrong with being disrespectful and not responsible. And as long as your standards are clearly uh, expressed to your, your individuals and your team, then I think if they're aware of what those standards are, they know they're, they're below standard of that day. And that's okay. Just go meet them where they're at. Use that six-inch voice. Use a different tone, different facial expression. Be disarming and just let them know, hey, this might not be for you today. There's nothing wrong with you taking a day off or coming back later to get your training in or just understanding like, hey, let's tell a few teammates so they can rally around you and help pick you up instead of like instantly everybody feeding off that and, and putting somebody down negatively. So that's, that's what I would say is like, honestly, and there's less of that when people know the standards of life and standards of the team, there's less of like, like people understand they need to show up, right? One of the biggest things with getting better is showing up, giving good effort and having a good attitude consistently over a long duration of time. And I I think when you explain those things along with your standards, when they do show up for a team activity or a training session, like they're just going to want to suck less at life. And they're going to try to be more productive and more receptive of what their coaching and or teammates or responding interactions are. And so I, I dealt with, sure, special moments is what I like to term them, but they're few and far between because I think you do a good job of 
front loading the education and getting to know people, you know, know their backgrounds, know what their ticks are. And also know like some of the people in their lives to be like, Hey man, do we got to call uncle? You know, do we, do we got to, Hey, you know, your brother graduated here three years ago. Like I'm really good with him. Like, do we need to talk something like that? Like, you know, and instantly that lets them know, like, yeah, I mean, he's going to figure this out, you know, eventually. So let's just work through this now. Like, let's reduce time. Let's go faster. Let's fail forward faster. Um, let's just get it done. Fail forward. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Fail forward faster. That's a, that's a new term I've been using, man. It's kind of funny you said that because it's the truth. Second thing I taught people, second thing I taught people, first thing was show up, fire up. And the second thing was fail forward faster. So show up, fire up is just, you know, again, it's that having that positive attitude and show up consistently over a long duration of time, show up 10 minutes earlier, stay 10 minutes later. And then fail forward faster is one thing I've learned in any skill I've ever done, especially studying or whatever is, you know, your success rate is usually dependent upon your actionable plan and action taking steps. And it's just reality that maybe 80% of the time you're going to fail in the actions you take. So just fail forward faster. Like if you know you're going to fail at this speech, go get eight speeches done before you do this one. And it's going to be better, right? Like just if you have to call, you're in sales and you know your hit rate is one out of every 10. Well, don't just agonize over picking up the phone 10 times in a day. Pick up the phone 100 times in a day. You know, like come away with more wins. Yeah. It, uh, I've been listening to a lot of that Bedros guy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of like his pep talk is saying like start your day with a win and start stacking wins throughout your day. So basically, like, he's like a don't hit the snooze button. That's your first win. Get out of bed. Like, get get your uh, – what he likes to do is, like, he likes to do the water thing, shower, and then he sits down and he has his, like, important uh, – his important fucking shit list or whatever he calls it. Yeah. And that's his next win. So it's basically, like, doing tough shit but stacking wins. And throughout the day, so, you're stacking win after win after win. Well, just in what you said, I would – two things come to mind. One is don't hit the snooze alarm. Like that's, that's bad. One, I would just cheat. So I would set my phone across the room, just cheat. Like you're going to be out of bed already. By the time you go hit that snooze, you might as well just stay up. <laughs> so, so just cheat. Like why even yeah. give yourself the opportunity to even reach over and just, Oh, snooze. Oh, snooze. Why, why, why even give yourself the opportunity to be a loser? <laughs> So just you, go sit it across the room. And then the next thing is your, your important shit list. That's just read Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. It's just rank order, A, B, C, and D priorities. Four quadrant them. You want to focus on quadrant two, upper right-hand corner. What's important now? What's in what's like a critical mover? Like what's important timelines and what's important as far as progress. And the things that are not important as far as time and but they are critical as far as importance they can they're, they're still like a b priority and the things that are important is time but not importance maybe you can just delegate those and the things that are not important time and not important as far as like importance you just get rid of that crap you know like just it's crap so I'm yeah practicing. eat the biggest nastiest frog first i'm practicing that now like with the uh, stuff i have in my house like shirts 
shoes, clothes, like just random knickknacks. It's like, I don't do anything with this, but it's like mm. so hard to emotionally throw it away. You feel like mm. you, t- you tell yourself you're like, you owe it Come something. <laughs> give you two examples. Go squat. Learn to squat like Mark Ripto. Put a bar on your back, starting strength, squat. Three sets, five. Just learn to squat. You can learn leg extension. You can learn walking lunge. You can learn, you know, tibia raises. You can learn Cossack squats later. And they can all make up like a cute warm up or a cute like assistant circuit later. But the thing is your biggest, nastiest frog, your most important mover is just to get squatting done every fifth day. In jujitsu, is it, is it the warm up? Is it the teaching? Is it the questions at the end? Is it the live rolling? It's most likely, honestly, the actual position drilling, the live position drilling. You know, it's, it's these little concentrated efforts to whether, okay, can I get out of back take? And we're drilling this for 30 minutes. Like we're going live and we're switching back and forth, blah, blah, blah. And it's this concentrated specific zone, but with this relentless effort and intensities as opposed to, you know, where, where you're going with other people in the live stuff that might be tougher to coach for one, a coach or your teammates. And two, it's like, well, I know what his game is. Eventually your game comes out in your specific live rolling, but in your positional drill, well, no, it's, it's, we're working Ashies and, and short X's and like, we're here in this concentrated effort. And I've got to watch him from taking a, you know, slipping my foot off here and doing a toe hold or a heel hook right? Like a standing. And, and so it's this concentrated focus as opposed to we're both out of our game because we're in this concentrated focus and it is live. So, right. you know, you could be like, let me do a machine circuit at Planet Fitness or no, you could get a rack of barbell and some plates and a log book and learn to squat good. And every fifth day, do a little bit more for sets of five and get the results you want faster. Do you give credit to all this knowledge from all your books? Um, yeah, my, my life's always gotten better. The more books I consumed, I wish I'd have started reading and reading better books sooner. I would absolutely, it's easily one of the things I tell people, I would say it's the books I consumed and then the people I've been around with and I've treated life like a study. And I've always assumed, well, if you have a, you know, this person's rich, what do they do? How do they walk? What do they say? How do they dress? Why are they rich? How do they get there? Oh, you have a 40 year marriage and you guys still look really happy. What'd you do? How'd you treat raising parents or kids? What was your personal finances? When did you go on vacations? How did you plan for these things? What was the, you know, any strategies, intimacy or romance that kept things positive? And you start like finding these crucible things and you're like, oh, well, these things that keep reoccurring themes in health, human performance, marriage, finances, well, these themes keep popping up. I can go get books on those. I what can learn you, about those. What have you learned is the biggest thing for human performance? Ooh. Like hab- Ooh. habits or like, cause I, I know how you're thinking and cause I do it too. And that's kind of like a little bit of what I like about this podcast. Cause that's like what I like to see is like what people are good at, what they've been successful at and like what and no, how they, they got there and operate. I'd say, yeah, I would say habits. I would say it's your behaviors and your beliefs. Like really like, you know, uh, you know, uh, if somebody were to ask me like, Hey, you know, what kind of exercise is the best for you? Well, I used to lie to people. I used to be like, yeah, you know, it's whatever <laughs> you, makes you feel good and whatever you do daily. 
asshole. But there's it's 2023, <laughs> and you know it was the feel good. It made people feel good about they, they. She really loves Pilates. He really loves distance running. That's great if you're gonna compete at those. Things. Like at jujitsu, oh, I, I'm all jujitsu. I love jujitsu. That's awesome. And if you're competitive, good for you. Thumbs up. But like if if you're talking about like living a better functioning life from age 10 to 90 it's 2023 it's clear it's compound lifts externally loaded body movements done with multiple joints with great biomechanically efficient technique progressively progressed you could say overloaded but even that runs out like even if you added a pound to a lift every week that's 52 pounds a year that's you know you like quickly you're bench pressing a million pounds right so right. that's not happening so and it's it's like that's number one but number two is the things that people will go do and so if they're a hiker and again these are most just active lifestyles they're actually not exercising but if they gravitate more towards cycling or whatever then yeah but it is the fact that maybe every fourth day you should do a total body whether it's dumbbells barbells but like structurally progressed creating muscular tension bone on bone you know uh pull you know tendons ligaments everything's getting stronger you don't have to be a world champ you're not trying to be competitive at bodybuilding strongman olympic lifting or powerlifting you're just trying to make progress to be a better functioning human and that is the way that's it's not even debatable right and so you know oh i'm starting the uh, debate right now dude yeah debate it i think give I it think, to me i think the plant base get yourself a little mm. plant base yeah um and and sit mm-hmm. at home on on the internet and tell people how you feel i think that's the way on, or and just go to bikram yoga right there that'll do it <laughs> and I, I laugh because there's nothing wrong with having like if you treat it all like so if you have eight hours a week to do training and you don't love lifting, well, just do it for less than two hours, you know, with a means of like maybe you're doing some mobility and prep and then maybe you have two or three 30 minute sessions. That's it. Now, if the rest of that time you want to cycle, you want to hike, you, you call hiking exercise, which have to be pretty extreme to get that qualification there or if you like pilates or if you like swimming and stuff then fill it more with that time now if you like gung-ho lifting i would actually tell you yeah maybe don't do eight hours of this like you it's a point you're you don't need that so it is better for your body to be more in line towards moderation each of these disciplines but just no actually know what is best okay right it's a Sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> um, mm. I just threw my own self off. It happens all the time. <laughs> I like that about you. Yeah, right. Crazy, man. I, I always Crazy. bounce back, though, right? I always bounce back. No. Uh, so, I guess, like, what another thing I was wondering about is, because um, most people are emotionally driven. Like, how you said, like, hitting the snooze button and, oh, it feels good. It feels good. Like, emotions. You know what I mean? How, how do you think that someone beats that? I know it's probably different for everybody, but how, how do you show somebody that getting well, through that mental barrier or that discipline or what'd you call it? Just tell, 
but Kevin, your emotions are not a strategy for achieving a life well lived. Right. But most people don't understand that. Yeah. But that's the first step is, is sit, sit Billy or Julie down and say, do you realize like, it's cool to have emotions. Nobody wants you to be a robot. Nobody needs you to be chat GPT. Like I, I just, you need to be a human. You need to have emotions, but what good is it being emotional about your food? Like if you're a foodie and you live for rich experiences and cooking, then yeah, allocate some emotions to that. If you're not, if you just work at a cubicle or you're a construction worker on roofs, then and, and food is just more of a byproduct of life than needing to sustain it and just being functioning, then why would you ever care to have emotions with your food? And same with money and in, in, in parenting, like just study the good strategies and reduce your amount of decision fatigue, reduce your amount of friction, enjoying your own life with those things. So the first thing I would do is just draw awareness. I, I would need an example, but just ask people like, so what are we talking about here? One, two, how's that working for you? And three, where do you actually want to go in three years, 10 years? And a lot of people haven't consciously thought about that. And so when you actually get them to answer maybe those three questions, it kind of gets a little easier, right? Like, I don't know. Like you would think. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think because I, I think and, most of the people you're referring to don't answer those three questions ever. No, uh, they don't. But it's so if you answer those and it's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, I want to be less fat and I want to be better looking and I want to be stronger and I want to have, I don't know, nicer shoulders and be more appealing to the opposite sex or whatever. And, or I want, or I want to have better, you know, guard retention and jujitsu or something like that. Or when they pass me on my left side, I'm awful, but you know, I'm on my right. Well, it's like, okay, well, one, do you actually need to achieve better performance this way? I, Maybe they're just awesome the other experiment. way yeah i, maybe, I maybe spent awesome. like three months training my opposite side thinking that maybe i can expose people because if everyone trains on their like right side and i'm the guy who's good at doing it to the left side yeah. I'm, i might be able to have a less technical knee slice but a higher chance of successfully hitting it because they're not used to defending it on that side right and that shit was hard well, as fuck, bro. <laughs> like it, yeah. Well, it, and, and that's three months because you went back to white belt level. You were like a two-stripe white belt on those that way. I mean, you've already spent, what, eight years training jujitsu? Uh, about six or seven. Okay, so six years. Well, you just spent three months doing it the other way. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're going to need to get to a blue belt level before even that feels familiar, you know? That's a solid point. I want to play yeah. devil's advocate a little bit on you too. Um, okay. With what you were saying with uh, explaining that like your emotions aren't going to logically get you to the points you want and emotional connection. One could argue that, um, I guess let me explain it like this. The more you are emotionally disciplining yourself to push through like your emotions to do stuff that you don't want to do for better outcomes, the more you are kind of becoming that robot correct or do you just look at it as like you emotionally allocate whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay does that make sense so let, let, Did I explain okay, that hang well? on with me. hang on with me here boss 
Okay. The more and more, so to dispel that, it would be very much like I just said with reduced decision fatigue. Let's say you've got 10 good decision-making abilities in you every day. Let's just put a number with it, okay? Perfect. Well, let's say each day you have 10 good feeling and emotional things you can feel emotionally or give a shit about. Do you really want to waste one of those? on the snooze button scrambled eggs or eggs over easy like why do you have to have emotion about your eggs like really do you want to waste that like on your (laughs) wardrobe like even steve jobs didn't want to waste his emotions on his wardrobe he probably wanted to spend it with his passionate new project or his kids so like just take a basic approach to it and just realize people that are emotional 24 hours and they've got a hundred emotional things every day probably are very not productive members of society okay in the same instance people that are non-emotional are probably also not productive members of society in some stance as well so you can't be a robot blah 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 but just ask yourself how are these emotions serving you And then how are they serving the people in your house? And then how are they serving your neighbors and community? So if they're not useful, then just get rid of them. Yeah. So you're, you're just kind of doing a constant analysis. Like, don't you want to be an emotional person at a funeral at an anniversary celebration or at a birthday party for your children? Or do you want to waste that on like, oh, the coffee's not cold enough when I got my cold brew at Starbucks today. Like, really? Like, really? That is like, do, you, do you just want to be living in this ball of emotions your whole life, you freaking weirdo snowflake? Like, <laughs> really? Is that what you want to do? You do like, don't you want to have emotions when you're seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time from a helicopter ride? Or do you want to waste them on your magazine subscriptions? Did the Grand Canyon get you, dude? Because the Grand Canyon Loved got it. me. It got it me when I saw it too, man. It literally was breathtaking. That's the way I described it. Why do you think I want to why do you think I want to travel so much? Yeah. To see other cool shit. Mm-hmm. Like the temples in Angkor Wat, you know, or in Seam Reap, all the Angkor Wat temples, Halong Bay, all these things, man. It's just been amazing. You got a favorite so yeah, far? So, yeah, so just like I don't know, becoming, it's just like your habits and behaviors with your sleep routine. So you start adulting routines. Well, just like get better at finding the low hanging fruit to become a better functioning person that you like, if, if you had to actually think about, there's a date, there's a dash and there's another date. If you're looking at your. Hold up. You went blank. You there? To also, hey, you cut out here. Can you hear okay. me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Yeah, am I here now? Yeah, okay. you said well, a, a, date, a date, yeah, a date, a dash. So you, a date, a dash, and a date. So you're looking at your headstone. And so bottom line is it's like, okay, I'm looking at my headstone here. Well, how do I want to be remembered for myself? Like, how do I want myself to remember myself? And how do I want people to remember me? And so think of it that way. And it's like, okay, so I'm sitting down, I'm 22, I'm 32, I'm 44, whatever. And it's like, well, how do I get to be that person that I see in myself in the future? And then you write your list. Well, how, how's that person over 40 to 80 years? How are they on? How are they physically? How are they emotionally? How are they mentally? How are they as a, a family man? How are they financially? Whatever. 
and you start going, oh, okay, well, I see greater things for my 75-year-old self than I'm seeing for my 31-year-old self here. Okay, so what's the gap? So write down the things that are different between your older self and your newer self and just look like, well, which one's your most important critical mass mover? Well, and then which ones are just easy to do right now, today? Which ones are going to take six months? Which ones are going to take six years to get to? So just go, just work. How much time oh, do you I, think you spend an, an analysis, running analysis on like your life and what you need to do? Like, the, like what you're explaining right now, how much time do you think you spend on that, that exact thing? You know, I don't think it shuts off in a way. You know, like when you're living life, like when you're present with your kids or when you're, you know, on trips or something like that, daily life, or when you're working on specific tasks, I don't think besides those things, it shuts off. But um, I mean, I'd say once a week, I'm looking at a whiteboard or, you know, I'm jotting down pen and paper on some things in at least one or two of those areas, right? Right. Um, you know, it, it's it's not like it's poor investment in time to spend thinking about those things. I could scroll Instagram or I could delete that stupid app from my phone and I could pick up a pen and paper and think about, let's see, I'm going to die in 49 years. What do I want to do between now and then? Okay, cool. Got my list. How do I get there in six days, six months, six years? Let's go. One step forward every day. Yeah, I mean, and, and think about it too. If you don't know where you're going, so say you have these adult routines and habits now. Okay, well, if you don't map out what you want to achieve and where you want to go in three months, three years with these routines, you're more likely to fall off the wagon with these routines. But if you know where you want to go, short-term, intermediate, and long-term, you're more likely to say to stay with it, persevere through hard times, and, and achieve your goals. And even if you don't achieve your goals, if you fall short, but you get to like 80% of those goals, wow, those are awesome. You most likely were in the top 20% of the world as far as achievement in life uh, to your specific self. Right. Speaking of, speaking of the top 20% and circling back to what you're talking about earlier, 20% owning 80% of the wealth, um, how crazy is it that you know, as uh, for people listening, my relationship with Jake is like a friend, but he's also really like a really good mentor to me. Um, I had a lot of these same, same. I had a lot of these questions in my life uh, growing, and I never got the answers. It's not that I was I I wasn't I had these goals and I was driven, but I didn't really ever have it explained to me, or I didn't really have the right information in front of me. And then I met you and you're really good at breaking down and explaining like, you know, discipline, financial literacy, um, habits, how to form habits. You've, I've never read books. Well, I've read a few books, but I was never a book reader. And now you got me reading books constantly. I've got a whole wish list of, I'm always looking forward to the next book now. And uh, like you got me into books and it it really is a huge game changer. Like not that it makes me feel like I'm superior, but it makes me feel like, like you read a book and you just get a certain satisfaction out of it. And like in your head, you can always refer to it for whatever you're, reason. You're a better version of you. 
And yeah. that's good. It's not that you're better than anybody, anything, anyone. It's just that you're a better version of you than you were yesterday. Yeah. And the, the first thing you kind of coached me on was financials and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the first three steps. And basically by clearing all your stupid debt, having an emergency fund and even having six months worth of rent or utilities or bills saved away you're already in the top how much percent did you say like are you in the top 20 percent just with that yeah pretty much because what i would tell you too is i think the statistic in america is that i think 50 to 60 percent of our households or people cannot come up with one thousand dollars cash unless they sell something so just play that out if you have a thousand dollars cash you're instantly in the top 40%. You're already on the right side of the, the bell curve. If, if, if you, right. if you have it, I mean, think about how low hanging of a fruit that is. Like that's ridiculously low. And for people that just get this like paralysis by analysis or like they just get paralyzed in their emotions and, and oh, woe is me crap, you know? It's like, really? This is pretty low. Like, I'm pretty aware that if you can't achieve this, maybe you shouldn't breed. You know, maybe you should look in the mirror a little bit more. Seems like the people who can't achieve that are the ones breeding the most. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's another side of the coin, too. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I think it goes back to people need to look in the mirror more and point the finger at that person as opposed to, you know, yeah. point the finger anywhere else. You well, know? Man, and, well, and man, stop I, saying I can't. I can't is a huge, uh, huge thing to eliminate out. Just trying to eliminate it out of your uh, vocabulary and catching yeah. yourself on saying it is a huge way to learn accountability. We we do uh, we do two push-ups in our house. If anybody says I can't, everybody gets down and does two push-ups. If anyone says it, so you have to anybody. take. The, so you have to take yeah, the hit. Everybody. If someone else says it. Cox family is a team. We're a business. We're an organization. We're a family. Family first. That's and so, boom. Yeah. Don't don't bring that poison into our house. Don't bring it. How fucking crazy is that? that? That just yeah, you, like you said, having you a thousand yawn, bucks is forty percent. If you yawn, get down, knock out two push-ups. We don't have time for bad language, bad body language. That's just as worse as somebody. It's just as bad as somebody's you know spewing something verbally. That's bad body language. It's all a language. We don't have time for shitty language. You've eliminated yawning in the house? Oh, we haven't eliminated, but if somebody does it, you got to knock out two push-ups. We did that. Ask Tano. We did that. I did that with all my athletes. You know, we all wake up. You know, if you got to train early, you might pop out a yawn, but if you're conscious of it, I'd be so buff. Don't bring that. (laughs) Don't don't bring that here. (laughs) I've got that, like, habit. But but see, even look, you, you asked dealing with people's emotions. Notice it's not 20. 20 is going to make somebody want to kick you in the teeth, right? Like, especially after like the third time, because we are human, but two, they're just going to kind of like grin, like laughingly, like, and they start catching each other as a team, as a family. And you're just like, yeah, you know what? I don't need to have hands on my hips. I don't need to be yawning. I need to be a better image of myself for the team. I need to have a better standard. And same with, with the language you say, the body language and the verbal language. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, your body language does say a lot. You can pick up a lot from it. I mean, try looking at actually you're probably doing it constantly. You're probably looking at people speaking in at in Nam and you're probably picking up a lot of body language to explain to yourself what they're saying to you, you know? Well, it's it's a very tonal language. It's tough too, because some of it does look very kind of angry when they're communicating and you're like, they're not angry at all. They're just literally that's it's just it's how it kind of comes. And so you coming from somewhere else you have to just go wait a second good intentions here you know and and they're not at you they're just like together like maybe maybe they're just hanging out talking in a shop and you're like whoa this is heated but it's not heated at all and thank you so much yeah and that's the same thing north south in america east west city versus urban it's all there i mean you have to meet people where they're at understand how they do business here to then adapt to the way things work here. And then you know what you do? You go to work, learn how things work and then go to work. Don't try to come somewhere else and and create this world of change to your beck and whim. No, you learn how things work here and then you learn and do the work and get along to go along. And going back to the uh, thousand dollar thing and, the people mm-hmm. um what do you think it is man do you think it's just like a lack of education because i kind of like like i said like you know i i used to sit around and and stay up till three or four in the morning on google trying to come up with business ideas or little like not schemes little like hustles or you know whatever plans to make money and you know i'd be on like i'd be on like ali alibaba before it was huge and trying to figure out if i ordered X amount of whatever product that I think would be popular. How much could I sell it for? But like, I never had like the connecting information of like, Hey, you like rich and wealthy was not two different things to me. Rich and wealthy were the same thing. And what made you rich was just how much money you make, not anything other than how much money you make a year or how much money comes to you until I had somebody break it down or I got educated and explained to me, holy shit, there's a lot more to it than I even thought. You know, there's right. rich and then there's wealthy and, and generational wealth and being smart with your money. Someone who makes 40 grand could technically have more money than somebody who makes 80 grand. If they're Absolutely. And so do you think that like attributes to just like lack of information? Like it's not like you go to no. school. No, you know? it's 2023, man. It's 2023, buddy. You can get this information on like five TikToks from reputable sources. So it's not an information. We live in, in such a high speed information rate. It's it's a culture and a behaviors thing because it's not a lack of information on how to get strong and healthy. It's not a lack of information on not to eat, you know, cookies and Oreos and drink big gulp sodas. There's not a lack of information on that. It's a lack of maybe like influences to like drive you towards maybe learning more in those areas like focusing more time in those areas like if your interests go more towards netflix and chill than in call of duty online gaming which all are awesome sure but if you just get stuck in that then you're like well let me just you know order in some big gulps and some cookies and all of a sudden you get consumed just throwing on the headset for nine hours you know, and just going, loading up on processed sugar. So it's like, you're not going to spend the time like trying to acquire the information on peptides, blood work, 
regenerative medicine, anti-aging treatments for your skin and financial education. Like you're just, you're not going to do it. So it's more of a cultural thing. The information is so abundant out there, uh, reputable and non-reputable that even if you just started spending more time, everybody has 24 hours, everybody, let's call eight sleeps, works eight, you've got eight hours a day. Okay. And it's like, can you spend a little bit more time on the things that'll make you a better functioning human and a better productive member of your family and society as you go along in age? And most people don't think that question. And then most people don't spend more time focusing on gaining information and therefore they don't spend time on taking action in those areas. That makes sense. And maybe because I was so persistent on it maybe eventually i found the right group of people or the right type of people to talk to Mm -hmm. maybe that's where i got lucky yeah i mean some of it can it's nature nurture and circumstances and some of your circumstances are luck i mean there's a little hint of luck in there right like right you know i would have kept i mean like if had i not run into like you know the few people i talked to about money or business or uh financial literacy that's what i keep calling it but financial literacy yeah i would have kept searching or i would have kept trying but maybe because i searching i finally found some answers the right damn right yeah exactly you know so when you look back you're like man all those things i didn't find on google or whatever for what you were searching for they did pan out you know and now as you can think about it it's like wow they had my mind intrigued to learn how to do these things better and eventually i stumbled along asking the right questions to the right people and that's going to compound quicker now because you're going to ask more people and more of the correct people better questions and those questions will lead to better answers and you're going to take action then on the knowledge you acquire and so you're going to acquire more knowledge of a higher critical um, weight, it's going to be better knowledge and you're going to take more frequent actions. You're going to fail forward faster. Ah, fail forward faster. Here we are again. I think, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I think it'd be great to, uh, as much good information there is out there, there is a lot of bullshit, but like you said, if if you were even taking the bullshit information on most subjects and trying it, you'd be failing Yeah, forward. You know, yeah. I mean, that didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. Let's try this. So mm-hmm. failing forward faster. It'd be great to get you, get like you on and just watch some financial advice, TikToks, and just like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that, those videos too. I think that'd be a fun video to get to like sit down and just get your like yeah. live reaction on some fucking TikToks. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, I don't have that app, too. But... Is like the more you can fail, the more you can learn, you know, because if you're just going to keep going, then you're never going to ultimately fail. That's part of it. And it's like, you know, the buck stops here. Like everything, as long as you're looking in the mirror, taking ownership of Kevin Barry, then it's going to be the biggest win of your life to just keep going and keep learning. One One of my favorite things, too, is is not saying I can't. I remember I remember working on that uh not doing that a long time ago. And I I just remember catching myself saying it a lot. Like I can't. I can't. And you know the other thing 
that helped me too was not that not like I don't have time mm-hmm. because you have time it's just not a priority yeah so basically like instead of telling yourself I don't have time for this you tell yourself it's not a priority right now mm-hmm. or that's mm-hmm. not on my priority list and that kind of got my mind mentally into like uh, focusing on where to spend time and also the I can't it got me to shake, you know, put me at more of an accountability standpoint and more at a problem solving standpoint. Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah, saying rem- I can't, remove, it's like I could. Remove, remove the victim mindset. Remove it. Yeah, really. Just stop. Sometimes the best thing you can do in life is to just stop losing. Like if you're in a hole, just stop digging pause get some perspective then get some education and then get an action plan and then go to work so just stop digging stop the shit that's negative and not feeding your future self just stop it's crazy how negativity like is so much easier like it's uh, it's kind of like what media preys on is negativity and weakness Absolutely. It sells, but it's how you were wired. It's how you survived. It's in your DNA. It's your amygdala, your reptilian brain running wild to keep you alive and surviving. And then sometimes you just have to put the rider back on the the elephant elephant and let your prefrontal cortex do what the hell it developed to do. That's yeah, that's um, I didn't know that. So that's where that's where negativity comes from. Like, and, and that's why it's such a big sell, because we're wired like that. Is that how like primitive you can't get can't get eaten by the saber toothed tiger? You know, you, you don't get to keep replicating and spawning that way. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> you're supposed to be negative. Like as a parent, you already have more profiling and biases than you did five years ago when you were carefree and didn't have a care in the world. (laughs) Right. So So instantly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's why it's because you want your offspring to survive and thrive until you're gone. You know, it's like, duh, this is, it's not hard to figure out. It's just, most people don't want to spend time on reading great biographies of people that achieved great things that came from nothing or anything like that. They just want to Netflix and, and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people are just happy going for a hike. So just go for hikes. You know, a lot of people are happy just toking a little weed and playing some Xbox. That's awesome. And if that's all you want for yourself, guess what? You were probably born in the right country. That's going to allow that to happen forever. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, cool. Yeah. You um, damn, I keep drawing blanks here. Sport captain, <laughs> but um, <laughs> damn, I was going to go down the lines of like fi- the financial books and stuff. Cause yeah, I love that. I love when you send me I love when you send me like the Dave Ramsey stuff because that mm-hmm. guy just seems like so big. Because I just feel like that dude just gets so much joy out of hearing these people call him up with fucked up situations. And then him just being like, you're stupid. 
That is wow. stupid. <laughs> it's still like entertaining to me, and I sit here, I sit here and think sometimes because I know you, and like you know, you send me these like, uh, you just send me like good, like good quality material, like you know, educational stuff. People talking about how to handle money, how to process money, you know, money channels, investing channels. But like, it's the one thing that doesn't change is like that that Dave Ramsey shit. It's like. It's like the same thing every day, and I wonder if it's just like getting a constant kick out of like just watching people's fucked up situations. It's it's not so much the kick about it. It's it's again, it's that clickbait effect to it. But it's also like this: like you, you still wonder how it's that's able to coexist. We, we just did the statistics: sixty percent of people can't come up with one thousand dollars. So that's you have a population in America. Was it three hundred forty million? Sixty percent of that? Come on, that's massive. There's no, there's, that's a plethora of opportunities to, for them to get call-ins that are just hilarious about idiots with, you know, I went to Pepperdine or private whatever university and I'm $200,000 in debt for my underwater fire safety degree. Yeah, because you're an idiot. Yeah, you are, you know. It's like, <laughs> no, we shouldn't cancel your debt. We should see if you can rise up and become like a productive member of society. Because we, we saw what happened when we do universal basic income. Like, just people go to Walmart and buy the TV. And this is the best thing to watch. When people were getting checks, Walmart and Target were pricing television sets at the exact, like, after-tax amount as those checks. And they were doing great. I mean, come on, people. Like, this car rims and everything, it was just perfect. Like, it was hilarious. It's like... Come on, you just gotta be better. You, we were just talking. We were just talking at dinner about, um, like it's so weird how like you, you say like, oh, this is a horrible time to buy a house and a horrible time to buy a car. Everything's inflated. The interest rates are shit. You're paying yeah. fifteen thousand dollars over MSRP for your vehicle, and it's like it makes everybody run to go get it. Like, really, cars are overpriced. I'm gonna go get mine. Like, and and to sit back and just kind of think, like, like, didn't you just hear the conversation? Like, this is a horrible decision. Yeah, but people still fucking run to it, Jake. And it, it all goes in cycles too. And and that's the that's not sexy, and that's nothing you want to get on like CSNBC Squawk Box and tell people like, hey, uh, you know, we've got a debt ceiling. Uh, we got to move it up. That that doesn't sell anything. I mean, we're the world reserve currency over 60% of the, the world. Like it, it's, it's use like the next biggest, I think is EU in Europe. After that, it's like Japan makes up 8%. It's like, yeah, we're just going to move it up. We're not defaulting. We move it up all the time. It's like us in one other country that just continuously moves their debt ceiling up. The rest of them just kind of like automatically put it in their legislation to, go up as it is like they don't have to have a special moment about it and it's like oh gosh you know your interest rates on your house are up well historically 6.5 come on it was like 14 percent in the 80s you know and it's like okay well guess what when you have high interest rates then your bank accounts actually become something somewhat productive right and they're just trying to capture inflation and bring it down it's no wonder why it was there. We pr pr printed over 40% of the money ever in existence within a two-year span. It's just math. 
just shut up and go to work and spend less than you make. Learn how to make some more. It is, you are in America. You are in first world countries. It is doable to have a side hustle. And it's, it's important to, once you get a basic savings, to invest the rest of that money because an investment account will outpace a savings account. And you can take ownership of the person in the mirror and you can do better every day and you can create your own plan because you have the freedom of choice and not everybody's that uh, well off that they have that choice or can do that. So treat it as a blessing, you know, not an entitlement and move forward a little bit every day. Like it's just like crap that sells. Like you see blinking, like breaking news, breaking news. Debt ceiling. Okay, cool. So we're just going to move it up one hour before the time limit anyways. And in 18 months, watch, we'll be doing it again. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. You're not worried? No. How could you worry? So, I can't well, worry about the, I can't worry about the, like, you need to get your, the person in the mirror. Here's how, here's your order of operations for worrying. You need to first worry about the person in the mirror. Then you need to worry about the people in your bedroom which is you and your wife then you need to worry about the people in your home then you need to worry about the people in your home and your neighbors your community your hoa your county your township your gym your coffee shop those your, your members then you need to worry about the people in your state then you need to worry about your country then you need to worry about your hemisphere then you need to worry about your global connection uh, as a productive member uh, here in society. Like, but that's the order. So instead of worrying about the world's economics, start focusing on yours, then yours and your wife's or your partner or spouse or whatever, and then your family, like how well-educated are your kids on financial and physical and emotional structures, then go on out. I can't worry about the schools are doing if I'm a piss-poor parent. The schools get my kids for seven hours a day, I've got them the rest of it. I've got them 17 hours a day. So really, like, you know, I'm already got them over two thirds of the time. So it's kind of on me not to shit the bed, you know? So can't blame the teachers when I've got to be a, you know, a reliable parent as well. It's also a great lesson of uh, just sticking to what you're in control of. Yeah. Like you're stop. You're you, uh, you can sit around and bitch about politics and the government all day long, but it's not really in your control. Yeah. You know, marching's never achieved anything worth a shit. You know, like tweeting most likely has never achieved anything except canceling somebody. Right? Like, and, and really, what does that do? Make that weirdo on Twitter feel good for like, what, an hour? And then they're, they go back and their life still sucks. So, you know. It's, it's cool. It's, I mean, we all... it's mild entertainment for me. That's how I personally look at it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's things that I really want. And there's things that are admirable where I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm glad you're doing this. Like, the, um, yeah. I don't know if you, that episode I just posted like a little bit ago with uh, Kyle came in the yeah. black belt. Fucking from really Maryland? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah, cool, yeah. dude, man. Uh, solid dude but like that's an example of someone is like okay well he's actually trying to do something about what he sees as yeah. right and that's fucking awesome you know what i mean i really mm-hmm. like i really respect that drive and motive and as much as people 
should do their part in helping when they can. Uh, I just kind of have to look at it as like, what is really in your control, which goes to exactly what you were saying. Like, first of all, what's in my control or of operation me, what else is in my control? Well, my family's well being your, your battle buddy that you sleep next to every night. Right. And then the next is your children in your house. Well, what develops good children? Oh, reading to them at night before bedtime, brushing their teeth, taking baths, like forming basic playing outside, getting dirty, digging into, am I doing any of this with my kids? So no, 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 no. Okay. So just start doing, which one's easiest to do today, this hour, this minute. Okay, cool. Check the box, move on. Like, so, you know, 60% of marriages end in divorce. Why? Number one's money. Number two is communication. Number three is intimacy and romance. Number four is how you raise your kids. Maybe get some books on those four areas. Maybe sit down and have some communication time with them, uninstructed. Well, we can only do it at five in the morning. Cool. Get a five in the morning routine on Sundays and get down with your battle buddy and, and go over how to be an actually better couple over the next three days, three weeks, three months, three years. That's what it takes. Yeah, we all got 24 hours. Some of us don't want to work. And you know what's amazing? Hard work still works. Still works. You're, yeah, you're, I, I agree with that. You're in the land of all you want and all you wish. All you want and all you wish. And you can do it with one-click buying and spending, maxing out credit cards. All you want, all you wish with student loans. Or you can do it a whole nother route. Because one of them just keeps growing in a positive way and the other keeps growing in a negative way. But you're in the land of all you want all you wish it's 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 not like it's not like you have to think hard well why does everybody south of us want to come here no you don't need a strong we don't need to think on that more than five minutes we know why they want to come here right so we we don't need to stress about the why you just need to how how do we do it correctly or whatever and how how do i but before you even get there you got to take care of your you got to get your own house in order the ever so critical thinker, Jake Cox. We're Keeping up. it simple. Hey, man, it's simple to do. It's simple not to do. That's the hard part about it, you know? It's like some <laughs> yeah. of this really isn't, it's, none of this is rocket science, but such, it's not like, and we all go through hard days, hard times, you know? That's such a good way cool. to put it, though. Like, it's easy to do. It's easy not yeah. to do. <laughs> and it's just like, well, are you tougher? I mean, so are you that weak and that soft? Like, are you, are you just going to snowflake out? Like, really? Oh, bro, you're, you're, you're having mental angst about this in your life? Come on. Come yeah. on. Do you, yeah. think the, do you think the steel, do you think like the, the iron steel workers that were working and walking on beams in New York to build skyscrapers in like the early 1900s were really stressed out about the same shit you're stressing out about? Like, do you, do you no. think that? I mean, come on. Them Why do you have bitches. to be so soft? Them dudes were eating lunch on a rafter, fucking 20 mm-hmm. stories up, and yeah. fucking looking happy. Uh, you're like reading my mind tonight, dude. Uh, and I know we're hitting about the 90 minute mark. I don't know if you probably got to go. Um, I got to hit the restroom, but no, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Are you, hit, you need to hit it now? Yeah. Can I do that? 
Yeah, Thanks, go ahead. Buddy. Do I have to shut this off or what? No, no, just leave it running and then let me know when you're back. Right. Do my magic uh, editing. I like that. Put my headphones here. I think the podcast is fucking sick. If you're listening to it and you're like, you know, I don't know if I want to listen to the next episode of this podcast. You're probably a bitch ass. You need to listen to the next episode of this podcast and keep listening to it. Um, because my friends down here are trying to make shit happen and we're going to make some shit happen.